Good morning, Kansas City. This is the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And my voice is shredded. This is your fault, Nate. I asked for your help this week and you wouldn't give it to me. Damn it, Nate. My help? Yeah. I kept looking at you to talk about soccer all week long and you you just wouldn't help me. Can you... Yeah, one more day, maybe you could help. Could you offer? I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Damn it! Wish man. I could help. Do you? Yeah. What do I? For those who don't know, <clears throat> to kind of catch you up on the storylines of this stupid show, <laughs> um, I uh, I've been battling some voice issues for the past couple of weeks. Went to a specialist, and I have uh, some vocal cord damage, and so I'm taking all the necessary medication. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go to uh, some speech therapy to learn some breathing and speaking techniques that will put less stress on my uh, vocal cords. That uh, sounds th- super interesting to me. You know what it does to me, too? If there's something I can actually do that will help. I, like I have, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, and apparently I've been doing it the wrong way, so whatever. I'm just going to go across the street. You want to go with me to one of the sessions? Yeah, I'm your guardian. <laughs> yeah, he, have to, he has to sign me in. He has to sit with me. I like it. And so, um, I'm your confirmation sponsor. Right. I used to do uh, vocal cord lessons when I was in college. So I bet you, you want you want to know who my I bet you, you want to know who who was my teacher? Uh, Danny Klingscale's oh. dad. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he would send me uh, audio cassettes with uh, ri- like written instructions, and the cassette would have him telling me things I needed to work on mm-hmm. to try to get my voice better. And it, it never really—I didn't really. I thought you could say just some guy you met at the wheel. <laughs> I got it. Right. I get it. Um, and so, and I, you know, I have these sprays and different medicines I've been taking. So it's been a battle, and my voice, like. Monday, it sounded normal. Like, okay, I'm, we're back. But then, as the week goes on, it's been getting worse and worse. And then I imagine over the weekend I'll be able to rest it, and it'll sound good on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday. And just hopefully the 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 stretches of it sounding bad will be shorter, and the, you know, and everything else. But I guess what they told me is it, it's going to take anywhere kind of a wide range from two to six months to heal. Totally. So we're going to shoot for the two to three month area, hopefully. Um, And so that's why I sound like this. Um, And like like right now, I don't have to have surgery or anything like that, hopefully. So knock on wood. But um, uh, Nate, of course, still reeling from the Sunflower Showdown loss. I uh, made uh, an ill-advised bet with Shane Summers, our resident K-State fan. Uh, and if Kansas lost, Nate was uh, going to be unable to talk about soccer on the air all, all right, last week. Showdown. And then I told him to make sure that uh, he, he took this serious. If he slipped up and mentioned soccer, then it would be another week tacked on. And then on Thursday, you accidentally mentioned soccer and... Lebo called you out on it, and so another week was added to your punishment. So now you're less than four hours away from being out of soccer jail. So I know you're very excited about that. Aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get there today. Sherm, are you, are you? Sherm was very excited when I slipped up. Sherm came in here with, with the sole purpose of trying to get you yeah. to uh, 
And then as soon as I did, he was um, the first one to text us. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was happy. He was happy. So. Yeah, he was thrilled. Um, <clears throat> can we start off with, uh, and, and look, yesterday was such a tough show, and I want to thank people. I don't know how many people you heard from, but people reaching out and uh, uh, just, hey, having some kind words or thanking us for being on the air or whatever. Heard from a lot of people. So if you took time out of your day just to send an email or a message, uh, I didn't reply to all of them, but I got them. And some of them were just uh, unbelievably sweet and nice. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was uh, very touching. So I wanted to start off with something that I, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, it's hard not to get emotional uh, seeing this. So I don't know if you guys saw my uh, ex account or Twitter account last night. I shared the, uh, the if, okay, so let's go through this. There's a couple of official GoFundMe pages for victims. Okay. One of them for, for Lisa Lopez Galvan and her family. I shared that. Okay. And I retweeted again this morning from okay. the border patrol account. Thank you. And then there's another one for the family of, uh, her, her cousins of the two little girls that were that were injured. I retweeted that, and then I also retweeted uh, a page from uh, the official page from Children's Mercy. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that are looking to take advantage of the situation, and you don't know where the money goes, and you don't know what their motivation is. If you want to donate, and I'm not telling you you should, if you want to, if that's something that would that your heart tells you to do, just go to the official pages that we have retweeted. For the, and I retweeted for the two families and for Children's Mercy. And I know for a fact those are the right ones and those are the official ones, and that's what the family once shared, and that goes to the family, and there's no... You don't have to worry about anything else, right? <clears throat> so I retweeted those, and the and the response has been tremendous. But let me read this to you. This comes from Variety. A GoFundMe page set up for the family of Lisa Lopez Galvan, the woman killed in mass in the mass shooting at the Chiefs Victory Parade, caught the attention of Taylor Swift who made donations on the page totaling $100,000 early Friday morning. It was set up Thursday afternoon. The goal was to raise $75,000 for the family of of the 44-year-old shooting victim. Around 1,300 people had already made donations when Taylor Swift pushed the total beyond the goal in the wee hours of Friday morning, first making a donation of $50,000. And then making a second donation in the same amount eight minutes later. While that counted as in the middle of the night in U.S. time zones, it was early evening for where Swift is right now in Melbourne, Australia, where she's playing the first night of a three-night engagement there. Swift's rep confirmed to Variety that the donations by the singer appearing on the page were legit. I mean, 
you know. Yeah, I woke up to see that this morning, and um, there will be little moments that kind of restore your faith in humanity, and uh, that's one of them. Just the whole situation, but that's pretty, pretty beautiful. I mean, and then she did because the the max donation you can make is fifty thousand. So that's what she made it in two donations. So. And she wrote, sending my deepest sympathies and condolences in the wake of your devastating loss with love, Taylor Swift. Man. Jake, did you know about that? No, I didn't. Not until this moment right now. What do you say about that? I'm going to lean on you guys to talk more than you normal, normally do. So, Jakey. Uh, I mean, look, the, there's no way that family's ever going to be made whole. That's just... Uh, no. But, look, this this is going to make things easier for the family to move forward. Um, it, it, it's an out, that I'm point of support and love. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Taylor Swift, you know, she obviously is becoming part of this community because of That's, Travis yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. Part of Chiefs Kingdom. And, and you know... I don't know. I, I was just touched by that because she didn't need to do that. She, I mean, there was. I mean, but just the kindness, just to take a moment to do that. You know, you don't know how much that can mean to the family, and I'm not talking about even the the monetary aspect. No, just the support. Yeah, you know, someone that cares halfway around the world enough to do that, and so many people around Kansas City that are coming together to show their support. It's uh, trust me. You know, I was I was texted again with her older brother Beto last night, and, and her cousin Hugo. Trust me, the family sees it, hears it, and feels it, and knows it that the community is. Showing an outpouring of love and support, and it's helping. It is helping the family. I can promise you that. L- listen, as Jake said, nothing's nothing's going to make this family whole. Nothing's going to take this moment away. It happened. We can't reverse that. But what we can do, we as a collective city, as a community, that Taylor is clearly a part of now is we can do whatever we can to provide little rays of sunshine through what is a horribly cloudy situation for them, for their family. There's a lot of different uh, moments in time that have that have taught me that lesson. You know about the Big Steps Foundation. That has provided 11 years' worth of rays of sunshine for Sean's family uh, since he died. Um, when we... I, I do work for the Victory Project with Children's Mercy and, and Sporting Kansas City. And you, de- you, you, you meet families every single week who they have a child that's battling cancer, oftentimes terminal cancer. And there's nothing you can do to erase that. But, but the moments that I see when those kids get to go with their families out to the, to the games and meet, meet people and, and have these experiences, they'll never forget. And... There's all kinds of the, the situations that you have with. I just saw the email, by the way, for the Joe McGuff Golf Classic coming up. We meet so many families that are dealing with something like ALS. You can't. We can't oh, reverse I've, uh, that. I've made. I've made. I've made connections with families that I'll hold dear to me for for the rest of my life. 
And, and those rays of sunshine are so important. You know, th- those moments are so important to help somebody get through something so awful. And for Taylor to feel a part of this community that, that way, and somebody might say, well, what's $100,000 to her? Well, it's $100,000. And it's not even the money. As you said, it's, it's, what, it, it's the gesture and what it means to a family that's, that's trying to process something so terrible. They need rays of sunshine. We all do, but them in particular. So I think it's beautiful, and I think that it's another one of the things that we will always remember. There's going to be some beautiful things that we remember about this past season. There's going to be, obviously, a horrible thing that we remember about this past season. The storyline of Taylor and Travis has been a beautiful one the whole way. And it's been marked by some people that just don't want to enjoy happy things. Uh, people that maybe they're so unhappy themselves, they can't stand to see other people that happy. I people don't know. That, people that Jake refers to as buttholes. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, and, yes, I mean, yeah. Buttholes. And, and, and I'm sorry for those buttholes, but wow. this is... this is it Sounds this, different when you say it. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But, but you know, she's she. You, you can see every time they you know they showed her in in whatever suite she was with, whether she was with Brittany or Ice Spice or whoever, how how and how bought in she has become to this whole thing, how swept up and and she became, and how fun it is to be a Chiefs fan, how much she enjoys this community, and that is. The, I mean, that sums it all up right there. And if anybody has still wants to hate on her, so to speak, after this, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was beautiful. Beautiful. So, again, you know, thank you for listening to the show yesterday and helping. It it, it was, if it was therapeutic for you, it was was just as therapeutic for, uh, for us. And I'll be honest with you, I just, I left here and I shut it down. I didn't didn't want to talk to anyone the rest of the day. It was just, it was a long day before. It was a long morning yesterday. And um, glad the listeners helped us get through it. And we can try to at least take a small step forward and get some type of normalcy. And because, you know, yesterday I just, and again, I apologize. I just, I just wasn't. I wasn't about talking sports. I don't want to. I don't want to. No. And I feel like, you know, today we can take a deep breath and try to put some smiles on faces. And Yeah. It's a healing process. Yeah. It's not going to It's not gonna happen overnight. And it's going to be, everybody's going to be on their own, on their own processing. You know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that were affected. A lot of people, you know, um. The whole community. Yeah. yeah. And, and to that point, Jake, I, I wanted to read this, if you guys are all right with it, since you, you want me to talk today, no. Steve. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I thought uh, you'd never ask. Back after this. My mom sent me a text yesterday because she has a close friend um, who is a therapist in the in suburban Denver. And she was there in 1999 when the Columbine shooting happened. And... 
she listened to our show yesterday from from Denver, and she was, I guess, curious to hear how we were going to talk about this. And she texted my mom and said, I'm in tears right now, not just because of the tragedy, but because of the way these guys responded to it with such genuine vulnerability. That will save a lot of people. I learned a lot of things from the Columbine shooting in 1999, and one of them was that the peripheral people, as I call them, the ones not directly affected, need as much and sometimes more acknowledgement and care than the people who are receiving all the condolences. These guys made that clear. The other thing that I somehow knew instinctively was that people need to talk to each other. They do not need therapists interfering initially. I hope it's talked about in the schools and families so that kids and adults can share their thoughts and fears. Um, those guys did a great service to the community this morning. I thought that was I thought you guys would like to hear that. And I thought that was really uh, poignant what she said about the idea that it doesn't even need to be a therapist. Sometimes you just need to talk, you know, whether it's with your friends or your family. And we said yesterday when we started the show that we didn't want to talk. You know, I didn't want to talk. You didn't want to talk. But we did for four hours, and I, it was helpful for me. I hope it was helpful for somebody else. But I was in a, I was in a better mind space. I was exhausted. I will say that. I, I'm, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. By the time ten o'clock rolled around yesterday, no, I, it's I pretty was, fresh by ten. You know, were you, you were just getting, yeah. you're just hitting your stride. Yeah. Oh man, no, that was emotionally and mentally draining. But we, you know, that's. I think that's, that that explains everybody's last 48 right, hours. Right. Yeah, sometimes therapy can be exhausting, but it's important. And so anyways, I, I thought you guys would like to hear that from somebody who is a professional and, and knows what it's like to deal with situations like Thanks this. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> today on the show, Jake, why don't you tell everyone? Present this show that you... Yeah. Sure. So so artfully produced. We got our uh, our standard Friday show. Stan Weber will be in here in the next segment, and he'll be in here till eight, where we'll take over with the BP, the Border Patrol fast break, with Gabe Yarman, Jay Heidrick, and Greg Gurley. Uh, then we'll have our regular NFL insider Adam Kaplan at eight thirty. He usually comes on Thursdays, but we moved him over to today. And then uh, Tim Grunhard will be on at nine a.m. So. Uh, you know, I've had text messages with all those guys, and um, any chance he's in this city? No, yeah, that's right. he's not. He's not in the city. Yeah, that's what I thought. He is in the Southern Command Center, as he likes to put it. So, uh, be the last time we talk to him till he takes March off usually every year. So we'll we'll check in with Tim and then let him go for a month. And I mean, football doesn't stop. So. Uh, we got the combine coming up, what, in about 10 days? So. Yeah, we got college basketball this weekend, so. You know. A chance for you to get right. <laughs> what a do you mean? You, a chance for you to get back on track. <laughs> you know? By what do you mean? Well, Steve? those live lines, you got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break. Back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol. Oh, boy. This thing is done. I'm trying everything, Jake. I, I, I promise I didn't talk at all last night. I try to get this thing right. This ginger shot in here will help. Bring it. It's just because, you know, like I said, 
on Thursdays or Fridays, it's just, you know, for a while, I think it's just going to be worn out. I got to. I went back and watched when we took a shot on the air. Yeah. Last week. Like, your your voice improved. Did I really? swear, it did. Come on. I did. I swear. Stan Weber joins us. Stan, I apologize for you about to see. Jake has got me. Uh, so tell, tell Stan again what the benefits are for this. Well, it's good for your blood health. Okay. It's good for your immunity. And uh, it's it's cayenne pepper and ginger, and and congan water, which is super clean, very, hydrogen rich water. This is very How often should you take this for maximum health very benefit? Pungent. Once a day. One a day. One a day. Got it. That's it. Make a new plan, Stan. You want to do this, Nate? You've had one. How would you describe it? Um, it's uh, it's strong. Yeah. <laughs> cayenne pepper, you know, stings the nostrils. Right. My my stomach had a little bit of a difficult time processing well, it at first, it. but uh, but I held it down. It wakes you up, I can tell yeah, you Yeah, it does wake you up. Stan looks very skeptical, and he should. What's the proper amount, this whole thing? Yeah, well, that's more than a shot. I don't, I don't drink much alcohol. This is a shot? Yeah. That's, that's When you go to the bar, this is a shot? According to Jake, though, this is That is much? A, that's like a double shot. That's a double, double shot. shot. That's double what I'm saying. Shot, yeah. This is not a shot. Don't make everyone think it's a shot. Yeah. So you should drink it all at once or just a couple drinks? It's okay. We do all at once. All at once. All at once. All at once, huh? Yeah. This is like colonoscopy work here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Stan's in. Yeah, Stan. How about that? I trust Jake. <laughs> do you? I, you shouldn't wow. trust people to hand you something and drink it. No. <laughs> So of all the people right. that you trust, right? I I do trust Jake. How that feels? You that little? Yeah, the pepper is yeah. rolling through the body. It is. <laughs> we gotta. That's got to be a clip for shit. The pepper is rolling through the body. I like that because <laughs> when you d- take a drink of water, it you can't really tell where it goes, but with this pepper, you can kind of feel. Oh yeah, no, I, it's. I feel alive right now. Do I owe you some money? I don't know how much it's cost. You're good. No, first one's on the house. Okay. Yeah. No, he, then he ropes you in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you get the text just like a pay. dealer. Just like a dealer. $3, $3, $3 a pop. $3 you know. a shot. Yeah. I can give you two weeks worth for 30 What do you think? Like, okay, I'm in. Should I do this all Lent since I gave up Diet Mountain Dew? It would be Ooh. helpful. So is That's that, hard to do. I love my Diet Mountain Dew. How many How many do you think, like on a normal day, you drink a Diet Mountain Dew? Well, it's not so much that I do it every day, but when I do it, you know, there's you no... Love it. Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I leave here and head and fill my car up and get ready for the weekend at a certain spot that I trust. I don't know if they're advertisers, so I won't say. And, uh, you know, it's 32 ounces or 44. I'm indifferent. Right. Yeah, I'll say goodbye to the Diet Dr. Pepper for Lent, which is extremely difficult. It's good, probably good for your voice, too, though. I'm drinking ginger ale. I don't know if that's any better, but, I mean. Yeah, it's a little better. But, I mean, I just, you know, I love that, Dr. Pepper. You do. And so I've. Uh, I've been on you about that for a long time. Well, hey. Hey. Now we, now we have a substitute. All I got to do is drive by here every day during right. Lent. Are you here on Saturdays? I, I can drop them off for okay. you. Okay. I know where you live. <laughs> you do know where I live. You know, and that's cool. You mentioned you're, you're wearing a uh, uh, Bishop Miege pullover. To yes, I am. Represent the Bishop Miege family, which you're a part of. My wife teaches theology at Bishop Miege and has probably done it for 15 years. Right now, she teaches every senior that's at the at the campus at Miege this year. So that's been true for the last couple of years. So she actually, you know, um, knows about the tragedy. Uh, she was the first one to tell me that it was multiple family members 
before we heard anything on the the news, right. she knew through the Bishop E.H. community and told me the night of the uh, parade that there were, you know, I had not heard any reports that there were any children even. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's children because it's part of this whole family. I know you know cousins and right. And all that, and the brothers so. and everything, and the two little girls go to school, St. Agnes, and Lisa was a graduate of uh, Bishop Meave. So, yeah, yeah. So, she taught her uh, children, you know, in school, and so, yeah. So I wore my Bishop Meave uh, stuff today to uh, just I know that's a great community. Um, like Tim Grenhart and I, we got to know each other in the football world in the eight ten world, but really. Tim Grunhart and I are friends and, and have a lot of connections because of Bishop Miege. And not only because he coached there, which he did. He was the head coach at Bishop Miege, and my sons you know, started rolling through there, Stanton being the oldest and uh, playing for Tim Grunhart. But that's not really because of that. It's because his kids are almost the exact same age as my kids. So they are friends. So on a Friday night, if there was a Bishop Miege game, our kids may have hung out and Grab a, if they weren't playing in the game or something, grab a bite to eat together, go over to their house, all those things. And so the Bishop Meage community is really, really, really traditional, first of all. And the connectivity is really cool. It's just a, a positive vibe. It doesn't have to pull you in and you know change your life where you've got to be with those friends you know, every night of the week. It's just when it's time to come together, if it's ball game night, if it's event, a play, something at the school, uh, but when they need to, you can just see how far it stretches out and how sincere it is every day. So it's just really a great community. And I've got to give a little love to Bishop Ward, too, because if you go back, I guess, what would it be, 50 years, Bishop Ward, a lot of the people that grew up and went to high school at Bishop Ward scooted down a little bit south and ended up having their children go to Bishop Meage. Does that make sense? So sure. Andy Harding's a great friend of mine, and yep. we talk about a lot at the starting center when I played football and Bishop Ward grad. Um, a lot of the people he went to school with are people that I know now as parents because their kids go to Bishop Meage. Mm-hmm. So Bishop Meage has all the tradition without the Ward effect, but it's amazing how they mix together as I learn about it because I didn't grow up here in Kansas City. And you got people like Jake who refused to follow in his family's footsteps in Meage and yeah. went to Aquinas. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, that beard's not what, like the rest well, of his family either. So he runs in his own family. I was the first one to defect. No, but you, I mean, that, that's, uh, I echo that sentiment. And that's why we're so, um, you know, throughout the years, you know, I've, I've said that we had, uh, we had a, 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 at least one child at St. Gabriel um, in the Northland. Catholic school for 23 straight years and it was said, you know, and I, I was coached basketball there for you know, a couple of decades, boys and girls basketball, and it was such a such a strong community and a family. It was a smaller school a lot smaller than most of the Catholic schools in the Northland, but you know, we always felt a tremendous sense of uh, belonging and, and community and, and family and it's the same way at St. Pius uh, where my kids go, and I've had two kids, two boys graduating. That's where I went. And uh, Jake, how many how many interns have we had at St. Pius? We've got the St. Pius pipeline going for interns, at least three, at least four, probably yeah, four. Yeah. And then and now we got uh, we have a uh, job shadow job. today, job shadow yeah. Jack, who's at uh, a senior at St. Pius, who's uh, come in to question Nate Bucadio and everything. So we, and that? we just had our intern Laser, who's a Bishop Meage kid. That's right. You know, so, so we've had we've had uh, we've had a lot of guys from the different Catholic schools in the area come through. And I would say 
<clears throat> I didn't start attending Catholic school till seventh grade when I moved from Ark City, Kansas to Wyandotte County with my dad. Seventh, eighth grade at St. Peter's Cathedral, then Bishop Ward. And because it was my just my dad and me, and my dad was working and traveling a lot, I feel like I was raised by the Bishop Ward community and the St. Peter's community in, in many ways. So that's who we blame. Yeah. Okay. Blame them for all of it. Right. But it was it was my introduction to the sense of community that you're talking about and how when you're a part of it, the people put their arms around you and they step up for each other in times. And this is one of those times, unfortunately, where you really need people to put their arms around one another. And I feel certain the Bishop Meage community is doing that right now. And St- Stan, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you if you have any comments on 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 what happened at the parade or anything. We can we can go that route or if you just want to talk about the Super Bowl. We could, we could, we're, we're kind of open to whatever you want to do because if you have anything you want to say, we'd certainly want to give you the opportunity. Yeah, one of the hardest things to answer is the question you asked because I'm here because it's Friday. I'm here every Friday, and so whatever is appropriate to talk about is not. It's hard for me to judge because there's so many people listening to us, uh, people that come up to me and say, "Hey, I love listening to you on Friday mornings," and they come from. A to Z, you know, so it's really hard to say, you know, when I'm speaking, I try to think of everyone's point of view from A to Z. I mean, that's what I like to do is not just have a, a strong opinion on one end of the spectrum and try to remember that a lot of people have different views on things. This is the hardest question because I don't know if you're supposed to talk about the Super Bowl and break that down or you're not supposed to. So, you know, you know I don't know. I was uh, a loyal uh, participant or fan uh, going to these parades, I'll start there, I guess, for the simplicity. 1985, I was in town and went to the Royals' first parade, where they were in little convertibles and the fans, there were no barriers, so the fans were standing on the sidewalk, but as the parade continued, they moved closer to the cars, and suddenly there was just a little skinny line for the cars, and there's confetti coming out of the building, because that was a big deal, okay? And so some of the cars started on fire. Literally, you see them smoking because yeah. there was two... <laughs> they were going really, really slow as the players came by. Beautiful day. I remember that. Obviously, there for the 2015 parade, still just an unbelievable highlight because I don't think we knew what was going to happen with cars parked miles down the highway and walking in. You just couldn't predict that that many people were going there and the enthusiasm and the weather was perfect. The Royals players, the parades for the Royals are better in the fact that you see their faces, and they play 162 games plus the playoffs. So everyone that drove by, you knew who that was, even some of the assistant coaches. You knew the manager. You knew every player. It was so much fun as 25 or 30, depending on how many people they brought by. Of the players came by, they each got an appreciation, okay? And I think that's really missing with the Chiefs. If I had any advice when we win the Super Bowl next year, um, because I've been on record saying Chiefs are going to be better next year than they are this year. Um, this year was a hard fight and a lot of curves and learning. Uh, they ought to have jerseys on or something so you get the, the appreciation cheering. When they drive by a big bus, everyone is like, unless it's Patrick or someone that they happen to recognize, they just roll by. You go, I'm not sure who that was. I, I'm standing with the fans out there. I, they ought to put jerseys on or something so you go, hey, and, and you get the proper cheer and yells. It's, it's and, so funny you say that because I had <clears> – <throat> So we were we were on Grand, and uh, my wife and my dad's wife and my daughters were in the front because they had got their spot. 
And so I'm I'm standing, you know, back, just kind of keeping an eye on them, just watching with a bunch of people from <clears throat> Union Broadcasting around me. And then my dad's kind of over here. He's not going to get in the middle of that, but he's kind of standing back, just you know, kind of seeing what's going on. And all these people around me, as people would come by, I'd start, I'd start, you know, uh, Mike Pinnell. You oh, interviewed these guys. guys. And so, and, and I would not, but, but you know, I I go in the locker room after every game, and then I go, you know, we went throughout the playoffs, and I'm up at training camp and everything else, so I know, what, you know, what they look like. And so then I had, like, 20 people around me. Who's that? Who's that? So then, so then it just ended up as you walk by. I just say real, you know, I, I just say real loud, you know, Rasheed Rice, Justin Reed, and just you know, I just yeah. start naming everyone. And you need to and do so that. Then people would know who they were, and they get excited. But it was funny, so I ended up having to pretty much. This is probably one of voice that broadcast the parade for all the people around me, so I tell people who everybody was. Well, you even know. when we go into the locker room to do interviews, sometimes the guy walks by and we'll look at each other and go. That's Shamari Connor. Is that, yeah, yeah, you gotta wait till he gets to his locker and he's got his number up there and then you know who it is. You yeah, know? they're human beings to you guys. You get to go see them from training camp on. To us, they're just gladiators who are on television with their numbers. So it was neat whenever I'm there uh, at the parades to see when they do recognize. And you just see the excitement level of the however many people around you, 50 or 20 or whatever number you want to pick, when they really go, oh, there it is. And they know they're sneaked. Oh, there he is. Yeah. But usually. It doesn't happen. It's too late. Um, so, anyway, I went to the first parade in 2019 uh, season, January, the, kind of the last giant event before COVID shut us down. Think how close that was. Mm-hmm. By March at the Big 12 tournament, we were saying we're not playing. Yeah. This is a giant issue in the United States. Yeah. And we just had this giant parade with everyone sitting there hours and hours together around people they don't know, shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. Um, I'm just glad we were able to have the parade. Even though it may have been a spreader event, I'm not saying I know about that, but it seemed like a, a lot of fun. So I've been to all ch- of the Chiefs' uh, three recent parades. So I'm a, a person who's been down there and, and seen what's going on. And, um, you know, it's great to see the celebration. It's amazing when I hear these people fly in from other places in the country, drive in from Omaha or whatever to be there. I feel almost bad because I office downtown, I walk like one block. And. My arrival time for the parade is embarrassingly 5 till 11 is when I walk down there. And I was, you know, the funny thing that happens in life is the connectivity you have by accident. You know, I'm a a business guy, boring business guy. So the buses start coming by and Mark Donovan and I catch each other's eye. And I mean, we are absolutely communicating by hands like, hey, I'm telling like great job. And, you know, I know the business guy. Most people go, who is that guy that just went by? (laughs) And he's the one guy like. Uh, because I was at the start of the parade uh, where, again, the buses are awesome because I don't want to act like I'm critical. I love Kathy Nelson, know her very well, worked with her back all the way back to the days of Metro Sports. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. I used to live right very close to her and her husband. So I'm nothing but A-plus stuff about Kathy Nelson. She's not the only one who decides these things. But those buses are awesome because with all the people, you can be 10, 15 back and still see up mm-hmm. when they're on the bus. Um, so I, I think it's nice for um, administratively when they're on the bus, if they had jerseys on and were on the bus, that would be my favorite part. When they get off, I know there's a group of people, if you're lucky enough to be in the front to you know high-five someone, get an autograph, you really think it's cool. But for everyone else, when there's no one on the bus at the end of the parade, to me, I, I feel sorry for those people that they don't get to see everybody up there. But it, the intent of the event, the enthusiasm, the pulling together of the community – 
like I said, I've been to many, many of these. Every, I guess I've been to every one since 1985, and it's a big deal because at my office downtown, we welcome anybody who knows about us in the office, so it's a big party uh, all day. We invite people in, you know, having a great bathroom one block away. Having That's food, a big deal. It's a big deal, you know, but th- so in our office, you know, I was playing football with kids in the hallway uh, that were down there and, and brought a football and came. So there's so many positive things that that I experienced. But, you know, the the feeling of a little craziness is there. That That is a fact of all, all three Chiefs parades, you know, like the shirts that are being sold by people with cuss words on them. The amount of marijuana people were smoking down there in the last two parades was outrageous, you know. So it's a mixed bag, man. When you go down there, there's there's a it's fun for the kids in certain little spots, and in others, it's like I'm not sure the kids need to be around this. So it's a it's a it's like when Arrowhead gets a little crazy, depending on what section you sit in. I love the NFL. I love going to the games, and but they they can be a little wild and crazy, you know. People drinking a lot early in the morning and all that kind of stuff. But generally. Um, the weather was so perfect that it was a great experience. I saw so many people having so much fun because this thing lasted how many hours? It was game on at, at my world. It was game on at what eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, people in our office, people out a block away, you could go say hi to. It was everywhere, and it lasted all the way through. We're watching on TV. It passes our area, and it's still hours later before Mitch Holtz gets up and starts introducing people. Yeah, so this I got is, there at 530, people were lining up. Yeah, this is multiple, multiple hours of activity. And so there's your little curveballs in there throughout the whole day before this tragic event. Uh, but still, I thought it's – I look for the joy, the positiveness of the people that I saw that were having so much fun and getting to experience, uh, you know, something that – a city coming together is great, and there's nothing better than the NFL, you know, in the United States – the great thing about football, and let's just say the NFL for simplicity, one week, one game a week, everyone knows what's going on. They're playing fantasy football. You know, it pulls people together that they stood together for hours uh, at the parade, and they would never, ever hardly talk to each other. They're so polarized on issues if they knew what the other one thought, other than it's football. And it's a Chiefs. You know, so it's really cool. I think one of the coolest things about Arrowhead is you're just high-fiving and cheering with people that you disagree with on every other issue in the world, and you're going, let's go! But I love football for many reasons, so I'm just glad everyone um, got a chance to enjoy it. And then, from a city perspective, you know, it all turned around, and you know, it's so sad that that cloud hangs over any positiveness. It's hard to believe that last Sunday was the Super Bowl. Yeah, it seems like forever ago. I mean, I was ready to break it down, and thinking of so many things that are popping in my mind on Monday and Tuesday, and now it seems like it was like seven weeks ago that the football season ended with the Super Bowl. i got a funny story about that. We'll take a break. Back after this on WHB. So last night, um, the girls were off at uh, uh, the confirmation group, and, um, and I had taken a nap, and I woke up, and... Phil was, you know, in his world to PS5 or whatever. So I said, you know what? I need a little pick-me-up. I'm going to go watch the uh, NFL Films Super Bowl mic'd up episode. 41 minutes. You know, I said, I just need to, by myself, no interruptions, let me watch this. Man, I'm glad I did. It is so good. And I just showed you a clip, a couple of clips. There's one clip that just stood out to me so much. 
after Butker makes the game-tying field goal to go into overtime, they, they, they go to Nick Bosa, who's on the sideline. He's got an oxygen mask on. He's getting oxygen. Takes the mask off. Have you seen this, Jake? Takes the mask off. You know what he says? This is not very fun. You're getting ready to play in overtime for the Super Bowl championship, and he said, this is not very fun. And then you go to Patrick Mahomes who's talking about While he's got oxygen in, kind of needing a boost. That's exactly right. On the bench, not sitting. You know, I, I think, like, your toes would be almost up to the field. Like, let's go. Let me get in there. And the Niners, throughout this whole time, they're sitting back on the bench. Right. Just talking like it's a Tuesday afternoon. Like, oh, boy. You oh, know, they, they knew. They knew what was going to happen. And then you go to Mahomes. He's talking to the officials. And then one of the officials says, you know, free football. And Mahomes is like, that's right, baby. Free football. Let's go. Let's go. He's all fired up. And then the other thing that stood out to me, and there's plenty of examples out there. It's 41 minutes long. I encourage you to watch it. But it made me even more desperate for them to bring back Chris Jones because his leadership and the way Mahomes and Kelsey talk to him and look at him and love him. And then there was that point where the 49ers scored on the trick play. And and he's over there, and and, and he's he's bringing everyone. He's trying, and I'll find it. He's trying to say the right thing, get everyone set up. And him and Spags are there, and Spags over there. He goes, hey, hey, we're okay. they had they had to use a trick play to score on us. They had to use a trick play. That's you know, that's right, that's right. They can't hang with us. They can't beat us straight up. They had to use a trick play. And he goes, just do your. And he's got everyone. Everyone's gathered around Chris Jones. And in in at a time. When they needed him, he was the one that stepped up, and he was the vocal leader, and he was the guy, including Spags, that everyone was looking to, and saying that means something, right? That that's There's a value there that we don't always see, that we only see when we watch something like this, right? Absolutely. Uh, Chris Jones makes a plays when he needs to, especially in the biggest moments. He's been getting his hands up and blowing things up, including that third down play, the last play by the 49ers offense of the year when he went in there. He was unblocked, but... He did what he needed to to cause havoc. Just because you're unblocked doesn't mean that you don't end up whiffing and letting someone run away and win the ball game. But his leadership, his attitude, uh, I remember the, when his contract came up the last time, there were most that said, he's gone. There's no way the Chiefs can keep him with the salary cap. His interest is going to be in so much money. Uh, bye-bye. And on this show, without a doubt, I said, hey, this isn't over yet. And I think now everyone has that kind of attitude that you can work the salary cap. Patrick Mahomes' contract is the greatest contract ever signed in NFL history. Not to take away what Tom Brady did, because I don't know how his contract was structured, but they just kept redoing it to keep New England Super Bowl level. So Tom Brady deserves a lot of credit monetarily for doing what he did. But the Chiefs set it up right away to say, we're giving $500 million at least to this young man, Patrick Mahomes. But the way they structured it is going to be so easy. It's going to take five minutes for his agent and lawyers to talk to the Chiefs and go, yeah, we'll adjust it and adjust the salary cap. So they can do whatever they want to get guys signed. And I think Chris Jones wants to be here, and I think it's a good decision by him if you were his advisor because the Chiefs have busted through and become America's team. Look at the commercials. Why doesn't Chris Jones start making some money off-field that's giant that makes up for any discount that he gives the Chiefs? It's not a discount. Your net worth comes from every position, not just your NFL contract. If he goes and plays for the Carolina Panthers and gets a big contract, he'll end up with less money than if he stays with the Chiefs and starts doing some commercials and gets that kind of accolades. And guess what? Hall of Fame, things like that, That's things right. you're going to remember for the rest of your life. you got to be with a winner 
you got to be with the winner. And don't you think the chance to win three in a row, that, that that's that's something that, that new that can attract a player to stay or come here because they have a chance to do something no NFL team's done in the Super Bowl era. Plus the momentum's the momentum's going forward. It is hard to repeat. And I I said this during the season, and I said it right after Christmas Day. Right after Christmas Day was the best thing that ever happened, and I said it that week because it hit rock bottom. The burden of trying to repeat has been so great on all these teams that they haven't been able to do it since 03 and 04. It is hard to stretch your body and have everybody think you're going to win the Super Bowl, you're the greatest, and the grind of the regular season and the preseason and training camp stinks. It just wears on you, and it wears on you, and it, it creates dissension, frustration, whatever. Chiefs had all of that. And then on Christmas Day, they hit rock bottom, said, what the heck? We're not the defending champs anymore. We're just a good team that's going to win the division, go to the playoffs. Let's see what happens. Now they're champs again. That's why I think they're going to be better next year. So when you talk about a three-peat, you shouldn't even be saying that the odds are with you to have a three-peat because it's unlikely you're going to repeat. But this was an off year for the Chiefs. It truly was an off year. They were very fortunate. They won the Super Bowl because the NFL was down this year. The teams weren't that good. And they survived, fought, made miraculous plays. Spagnuolo was off out of his mind how good he was. And Patrick Mahomes winning, Travis Kelsey waking back up, Chris Jones, whatever. They're going to be better next year. They're geared up to go for it next year. This year is like, oh, man, wipe your brow and say, I'm just glad we got through that year. And you won the Super Bowl. But next year, they're going to be focused and ready and refreshed. I think they're going to be better next year. So if you're Chris Jones, you're not running on fumes right now. You're not with a team that's running on fumes, salary cap issues, guys leaving, people patting themselves on the back going, I've got my money, I've got my ring. You know, how many guys are like that? Look at that defense. Do you think they're satisfied with where they are? They're young. They want to get better. So, yeah, I'm super excited about the 2024 Chiefs. And you're Chris Jones or you're his advisor. I can talk about money and opportunity, but I also say this team isn't going to fall off because they're so worn out and it's, their time has come. They're old. No, they're they're going to be better in 2024 than they were in 2023. Refreshed and fighting and everything to gain and nothing to lose. When you're the champs and you're trying to defend, you have everything to lose and nothing to gain. That's a mentality around the building. Okay? Now with two, it's like, let's go. We're going to be way better next year. I think they're going to go after three. We will be right back after this on WHV.